Good morning. It is so nice to see you here this morning at First Presbyterian Church. Uh, we do not uh, collect offering at this time, but I will let you know there's a basket at the front after service or at the entrances after service. But what we do collect at the beginning of worship is prayer cards. So if you would like to ignore my announcements, uh, you can have a, a prayer card filled out during the prelude, and our ushers will come down and collect them if you would like your prayers offered today in worship. So for those of you who are not ignoring me, we have a lot going on today, including we are decorating the sanctuary following this service. There's pizza lunch for anyone who can stay and help for a little while. The big tree is going up and all the garland. So it'll be very exciting. Uh, the office is closed later in the week for Thanksgiving Day and the day after, so just make a note of that. And next week, once all of the symbols are in place, we will be having our special Hanging of the Green worship service, and we will be hearing from members of Larry Price's Sunday School class uh, as they teach us about what each symbol means for Advent and Christmas. So that will be next Sunday, 11 o'clock here in the sanctuary. What that means is that next Sunday is the start of Advent, and Advent for us is the church's new year. We begin our new church year next Sunday. There are devotionals, daily devotionals on the table in the chapel. If you would like to take a daily devotional home, those will begin this Sunday and go each day until Christmas. So anyone is welcome to take one home with them. And finally, that also means that tis the season for Christmas Store. Christmas Store is our opportunity where we work with people who need just a little bit of help, and uh, we give gifts uh, as a congregation, we set it up like a store in our gym, and parents can come and shop at greatly reduced prices so that they can provide Christmas gifts for their children. We have 250 children uh, already signed up for their parents to shop for them. So please, 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 if you would like to help and support, we need gifts and we need any monetary help by December 1st. If you could help, that store opens on December 3rd. A lot going on. For now, this morning, we will worship together. I want to let you know our hymns are correct, but our numbers are wrong. You will be reminded right before each one as well, but the first one will actually be number 336. Let's worship God.
Our call to worship this morning comes to us from Hebrews. We're going to begin in chapter 11, verse 36. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us pray. Holy God, during this time of worship, help us to still all other voices but your own. Help us to set aside all other wants and desires but that to serve you. Help us to dwell within the love that you have given us and the love that we share with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you now to stand and sing. It will be number 336. you to remain standing and let us confess our sins before God and one another. The prayer is printed in your bulletins. Let us pray. God of this age and every age, we confess we are not as grateful as we could be, as we should be. We neglect to realize your grace that has carried us. We are forgetful of your blessings. Forgive us for not recognizing all you have done for us. Forgive us for not honoring all you have done for this world. Reset our priorities today, we pray, and fill us with the good news of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. My brothers and sisters, who is in a position to condemn? It is only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has come. 
Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Let us sing to God's glory. As we prepare to hear God's word read, proclaimed, let's take a moment of prayer. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet. It is a light upon our dark path. Illuminate our hearts and minds this day, we pray. Open our eyes to where you are leading. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. We have two scriptures this morning, and then right after the scriptures are read, I will remind you that we have uh, our short song we have been singing throughout this series about the cloud of witnesses, and so we will do that together as well. But first, we read about what Paul was willing to give in Acts 21. While we were staying there for several days, a prophet named Agapus came down from Judea. He came to us and took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands with it, and says, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is the way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem, but Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready, not only to be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we remained silent, except to say, The Lord's will be done. And then from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. A commandment from Jesus. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? The word of the Lord. several weeks, 
As you may know, we have been in this series we're calling In the Cloud, and, and in this series we've been remembering that great band of witnesses that is talked about all throughout chapter 11 of Hebrews. You heard the very end of that litany in our call to worship this morning. In that litany includes great people of the faith who ran their race as best they could in the time they were given, people like Abraham and Sarah, names we know, Jacob and Joseph. They're in that great band of witnesses. We also have remembered over the weeks our family and our friends who kept the faith and how they are in that great cloud of witnesses. But we cannot read that litany in Hebrews without talking about that last group, that last group that makes up the band, those who suffered for their faith, those who were imprisoned for it, shamed for it, even killed for it. The Hebrews writer puts it this way. He says, the world did not deserve them, those who suffered for their faith. They also surround us in this cloud. And so we're going to look at this group today for a few moments, remind ourselves of who they are and how they were in this world. The first person we know from Scripture who suffered for his Christian faith was a man named Stephen. That name may sound familiar to you. We read his story in the book of Acts. He was preaching about Jesus, and he was stoned for it. We read that even as he was dying, Stephen asked for forgiveness for his killers. So Stephen is in that great cloud of witnesses. Though he was the first, we know he was not the last, the disciple James followed suit, we read in the New Testament, and so did Paul. You have in that reading a little precursor to what he knows is to come. And there are tens of thousands beyond. There are some who are famous, some who are less so. There is a woman, uh, Marie Duran, that our bakery class uh, learned about this fall. She was imprisoned in France. She went into prison at 18 years old and was imprisoned for almost 40 years simply because she believed Jesus was the head of the church and not the Pope. And every day she had the opportunity to recant and every day she refused. There's Marie Durand. She's in the cloud. There's also uh, Dr. David Livingston, I presume. You know that phrase, right? But do you remember what he did? He traveled to Central Africa, Zambia, and its regions to share the gospel. He lived there most of his life, died from an illness there, all because he knew how important it was to share the gospel in Central Africa. David is in the cloud. Of course, the list could go on for days. We know there were monks who hid sacred texts all at the risk of their own lives. There were Christians who fed, were fed to lions for sport because they would not forsake Jesus. There were missionaries who traveled far from their homes to teach and preach. We know the list goes on and on and on. The countless host who surround us in that cloud. Some of these people were martyrs. They actually died for their faith. Others did not die, but they suffered and they stretched themselves far beyond their own ease because they wanted to fully live their faith. They embodied Jesus' command that I read for you, which is to take up your cross and follow me. This, this phrase has sometimes been given a little bit of a twisted meaning. Sometimes we'll catch ourselves saying that taking up our crosses is something like going to a job that we hate. Right? Well, that's my cross. Oh, i got to go to work today. Or sometimes we think taking up our crosses is putting up with a difficult person. They are my cross to bear. This is not what Jesus means. <laughs> this is not what Jesus means when he says, take up your cross and follow me. A cross is something we take up as a suffering or a stretching that we take up directly because of our faith. Our faith demands it of us. And that's our cross that we take up so that we can follow Jesus. 
And there are countless numbers of Christians who have done this, not just Stephen, who preached in dangerous times, or Marie, who refused to recant. There are countless numbers. They've taken up whatever the cross looks like for them. They've put their faith before their own ease, before their own will. And, and I wish, I wish that we could have a physical marker around this world, scattered around this world, to see all the places that that has happened. Can you imagine if we had a physical marker to see someone took up their cross right here, right there? I've been thinking about these physical markers a lot this week because I don't know if you heard the radio story, but earlier this week they were talking about something uh, that's all throughout Europe. They have placed what they call stumbling stones. It has a long German name, but it means stumbling stones. They've placed them all throughout Europe, and, and their purpose is to make you stumble, is to make you stop what you're doing and walking and notice and remember and walk away better. That's what their purpose is. Sadly, these stumbling stones, they are all throughout Europe to mark the homes where Jewish families once lived and where they are no more. It's one way to mark that. Stop your walk for just a moment. Stop your walk and notice. Notice who is no longer here. They set them up, they gave them a golden tent so that they'll catch the sunlight when it streams in, so that they'll stop walkers in their tracks because they want people to remember and not forget who they once were so they can be better, better than who they were. They want to be at this better version of who they're called to be, these stumbling stones. And I've been thinking about those stones all week long because those poor people, they were made a tragedy in their own lives against their own will, and I don't even know what it would take to sign up for the tragedy. I don't know what it takes to raise your hand and say yes to the tragedy, and that's the stones that would mark every place in this world where a person had taken up their cross and followed Jesus. I think about how many there would be they wouldn't just be in Israel where Stephen was or France where Marie was or Central Africa where David was. They would be everywhere. They would cover this earth, those stones to mark. A person took up their cross right here, right then, and they wouldn't just be from days gone by. They, they would be from yesterday and today and yet this afternoon. I have two places I'm thinking about stones being this morning, and I want to share a little bit with you about them. I think there would be a stone right outside Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I think there would be a stone right in the entryway of our own very ordinary church office. I want to tell you about those two this morning. First to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, you may remember the terrible day in 2006 when a young man named Charlie entered an Amish schoolhouse. Do you remember that day? And he barred the door, and he started shooting. He killed five children, severely injured five more, and then killed himself. If you are old enough, you probably remember that day. But what you may not remember is that a couple of days later, Charlie's parents held a quiet burial for their son. They were so ashamed, so guilt-ridden and grief-stricken that it was just the two of them who were going to bury him. But before they could begin, over the hill came over 40 members of the families of the children who had been killed. And they told those parents, you will not grieve alone. And they worshipped and they prayed with them. And then they told them, we have forgiven Charlie, the boy who murdered their children. How could there not be a stone right there? 
How could there not be a stone? Right there. Those families took up their cross. They stretched far beyond their own desires, and they forgave because they worship a Savior who forgives. There would have to be a stone there. And I think about our own doorway to our church office. I remember, as most of you fondly remember, our own sister in Christ, Cheryl Davis, who passed away this year. Until her death, she was a fixture in this congregation. You can probably picture her sliding in on her motorized wheelchair, a big smile on her face. She attended all the worship services she could. She helped with every mission experience, and she loved filling up that blessing box out there month after month. That was her thing. But one day, Cheryl rolled into the church office, and she handed an envelope to Phil, that guy. She was so excited because she said, I have been trying to manage tithing. I have been trying to get myself there. But 10% is so hard. But she worked at it, she worked at it, and she handed in the envelope because she'd finally managed it. And her monthly tithe was $86.40. I can tell you that now because she's in the cloud. Now I want to be clear Cheryl knew that the church would be fine financially without her offering. She knew that. Her tithing was for her. She wanted to stretch, to make the sacrifice, to live out her faith in that particular way. A stumbling stone, a stone, would have to be placed right there in that doorway. I want you to picture it there, in that very ordinary spot. Perhaps ironically, the thought of taking up a cross of forgiveness like that in Lancaster or tithing 10%, it begins to make looking like being fed to lions sounds pretty good. (laughs) Forgiving is hard. Tithing is hard. Taking up our cross as difficult things of us because of our faith. And we know there are other crosses as well. We could each stand here. We could spend the afternoon with each person standing and sharing an example of someone they know who took the difficult path because of their faith, who did the difficult thing because of their faith. Each of us could share a stone that should be placed. They would not only blanket this town those stones, but they blanket our lives. And I think I know what they would look like on top of them. You know, I think I know how we would know it was one. I don't think they would be golden in tent like those ones in Europe are. I think they would have a very simple two lines on them. I think they'd have the lines of that ichthus fish. It's in your bulletin today to remind you what it looks like. That ichthus fish, do you know the meaning of it? It was, became one of the earliest Christian symbols because it could be a secret code. Ichthus is the Greek word for fish, simply the word for fish, but they used it as an anagram. So every letter in ichthus stands for a word in Greek. So ichthus became Jesus, Son of God, Savior. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. And the fish began to be a way to speak of your faith. It is said that people, upon meeting, when it was frightening to be Christian and dangerous, upon meeting, they would be talking with someone, and with their toe, they would make that first arc of the fish in the ground. And if the person they were talking to didn't make the other arc to complete the fish, well, then you knew. But if the person drew that corresponding line. If you finished the fish, then you knew that you both followed Jesus. All those stones that would blanket this world, they would have that ichthus on them. I'm sure of it, because in every single one of those places, someone finished their fish. 
Someone didn't leave it undone. They took up their cross and they followed Jesus, even when it was hard, even if it brought them shame or asked too much or put them in jail or cost them money or cost them their life. They finished their fish. They followed Jesus. I wish we could see them with our eyes. I wish that we could see and realize the holiness that is all around us that we would remember who we've been so that we can be an even better version of ourselves today. I wish we could see them with our eyes. We can't. But we can see them with the eyes of faith. We can see them surrounding us even now. So this is who rounds out the cloud of witnesses. The cheering section that is rooting for you to take up your cross. Whatever it may be, even now, they are supporting you to have the strength to do the hard things your faith asks of you, even if it's a struggle, even if it's a stretch. And when I think about the meal we're going to sit down to later this week, when I think about the thankfulness that could be in our hearts, how can we not be utterly grateful for them? How can we not to our bones be grateful for them? for what they did with their lives here on earth and for what they do in heaven now. In heaven today, Stephen and Marie and David and Cheryl are praying for you. They are praying that you will finish your fish. Amen. Let us pray. Great and holy and merciful God, today we are grateful for the many saints who have come before us, those who paved the way for us, those whose sacrifices made our worship and work possible, those whose teachings helped us to learn what it means to love you. In particular, we pray for those people about whom we have heard and those whom we know in our own lives who sacrificed so much for their faith, who gave so fully of themselves, who understood the relationship between worshiping you and setting aside their own desires and needs. And we ask today that you would help us in our own ways, each in our own, ways large and ways small, to emulate those sacrifices. To serve you fully, selflessly, and humbly. To do our work without fear, anxiety, and worry. Help us to see those places, the big ones and the little ones, in our own lives, in our own communities, where we may carry your cross. We understand that this cross is not a burden. It is a privilege for us to carry it, an honor, a profound act of love, trust, and service. But we know also that we can only lift it up and only carry it with your grace and your help and through the inspiration and prayers, the great cloud of witnesses which surrounds us. We understand that one of the reasons it is difficult to pick up is because of the chaos of life around us and the difficulties that life places before us each and every day. 
Today, we are particularly mindful of those people whom we love and worry about, who we want to commend into your care this day. We pray especially today for Allie, and we ask that you would be with her. We take this moment now to offer aloud or in the silence of our own hearts our prayers for particular people and situations. God, we are encouraged by the culture around us to always be mindful of that which we do not have, to always seek to accumulate more. But during this week in particular, help us to be instead people of gratitude, people who recognize the many blessings we have received in our lives. And we take this moment now to offer to you our prayers of deepest gratitude. Loving God, we know that you hear all of our prayers, and we offer them to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, I invite you now to receive this offering of music.
Holy God, we thank you for the many blessings and gifts you have bestowed upon us. We return our humble tithes and offerings to you, that they may be used for your glory in this place and throughout your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, our final hymn is 367, 367. to stay if you'd like to decorate for a while. Before you go, though, I charge you with the prophet Micah's charge when he says, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your Lord? May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and may the Lord give you his peace today and every day. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Please greet one another in his name.